Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV show podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Faraci and I am one of the hosts of this program. My uh, co-host, as he is every single week. Who, My who name are is you? Derek. Well, here we go. My name is Derek and I'm just here to reunite like all you normal people. There you go. Yeah. Is, that, is that an after party tw- quote? Yes. Which you know, character says that? You, that is uh, uh, must be Xavier when he gets off the helicopter. Oh, is that what he says? He does like... Yeah. I know, I you know, I, I don't, I don't hear as good as I used to. And in loud scenes where I'm laughing, I, I might miss lines. Yes. Well, uh, that's I a really would. good show. Derek, unfortunately, doesn't like it, but I really like the after party. Yeah. Because I asked a question about something I didn't know about. Clearly, that must mean I don't like it. You bothered by the ten year age gap between the actors? Yeah, Ike Barinholtz is clearly not the same age as everyone else. Like, not even close. And he's I love not, Mike Barinholtz. I think he's a great actor. I think he's very funny. There's no way he he's in the same graduating class as these people. I mean, if he got held back like three times, that character might have been held back three times. That he actually is really would 10 track. years older than the youngest of the rest of the cast. Yeah, I know. He also, oh, yeah. he, he hard living too. I don't know. I don't know. It's He's funny. It works. He's hilarious. He's endlessly hilarious. I love him. It works. The show's really good. I said, I said long ago that I thought he deserved a... Uh, Oscar nomination for Blockers. I think he's amazing in that movie. Man, I gotta watch that movie. You love that movie. I do. John Cena's in it too. Look, I you're know, missing out. I know. That's why we talked about it last time because John Cena. You were talking about how good he is in Blockers. Yeah. All right. We got any Marvel and or DC news this week? We got a lot of Marvel and or DC news this week. Oh, really? I've been paying no attention. So this is very exciting. Yeah. Well, first, uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home passed a billion dollars at the international box office. Giving it a total of one point seven three eight billion so far. So <clears throat> it's crazy, right? Yeah, it's crazy yeah. that this is one of the biggest movies ever made. <laughs> like it's just nuts. Yeah, it's so weird to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a real film Twitter monkeys paw kind of moment where they're like, "We need a movie that's going to save theaters," and then it's a Marvel movie, and like, no. No, I mean it's, but it's weird that because it's like the third Spider-Man movie, like it's like the 29th Marvel, you know, like it's like weird, like it's just like the eighth Spider-Man movie. <laughs> well, it's the eighth of this, eighth in general, but it's the third of this round go round. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like very strange. I mean, it's the ninth if you count Spider-Verse, which came out not that long ago. Um, it's just strange yeah, because yeah. it, um, they weren't able to sell it on the main gimmick which is what might explain why it would do really well. But I'm actually surprised that even that gimmick is enough to get it as far as it's gone. Yeah, I guess people really love the first two Spider-Man movies, right? The last two, I should say. And we're chomping at the bit for something. And uh, Eternals, maybe it was the characters were too new. It was too different looking, so that people didn't go for that. Shang-Chi did very well for a first movie out, right? Like, no, but like this is but this is series, but this like is, this is this is a phenomenon. Crazy. This is a phenomenon. Yeah. It's not just like doing well. It's a no. Phenomenon. This is like Endgame numbers, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that makes sense. Like Endgame makes sense. Like that's like the culmination of ten years of all of these Marvel movies. I mean, it helps that it's got no, it's got no uh, uh, competition. There was nothing for like months before. There's nothing months after it. Yeah, Woody Allen's Rifkin's Festival played in theaters and nothing else, and it did not make a billion dollars. I mean, like, but like, it like, did. But it, it is his highest grossing movie in it like a his, decade. It is, <laughs> it is a very high grossing movie for him. Yeah. Uh, but this is more than just there's nothing else in theaters. Like there's like more going on here. And I and I, I say this as somebody who loves Spider-Man, loves the movie, loves the MCU, all of those things. I don't understand why this is one of the biggest movies of all time. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like usually I get movie. it. Usually I get it. 
but this one is like baffling to me because it's like yeah. a really good movie and I could see it being the highest grossing of the Spider-Mans. Yeah. But like that it's gonna like there are articles like can Spider-Man No Way Home beat Avatar? And you're like, what? No, it's not going to do that. I mean, it can't, but like you still you like the fact that it's even a conversation that can be had realistically yeah. is yeah. crazy. It's bonkers. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. But that's what they're doing. So there you go. Good for them. Uh, do you want to stay in Marvel or do you want to move over to DC? You're the newsman. I have it kind of mixed back and forth. Here. Do whatever you like. I don't care. Where we like, you know, I, I, if it is, did you mix it like so that like it grows in, in, in bigness? Kind of. I think so. Okay, just do it. Do um, it all right. Uh, there was some controversy online this past week dealing with the Batman where uh, Robert Pattinson, as we discussed last week, made it clear that his Batman does not kill people. And this has angered true Batman fans who don't understand why Batman wouldn't kill people. So, and uh, the Hollywood Reporter was very excited to report on that. Uh, you know what? I I know that I'm getting really old because um, I just this is just so irritating, and I don't I don't care about it. Like like so fundamentally, just don't care about it. Jesus, it's just driving me funny. crazy. I found it very funny. It is funny. Like it's funny. Like I like it is totally funny. Like and I, but it's just like we're at a point now where these people are like such creeps and weirdos. Yeah. And like, I really feel like maybe the goal needs to be to just go back to ignoring them. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe the goal needs to be go back to bullying them, but like, that's a controversial stance. So what if we just go to ignoring them? What if we just well, go to like letting them barely even exist? I mean, as we'll discuss later on, calling someone a bully is, is very hurtful to them. Yeah, that was definitely a filmmaker writing dialogue <laughs> in a television program about people he does not personally like. Yeah, yes. I'll tell you that. I will yeah. tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what else we got? Uh, staying on Batman for the moment and staying on Robert Pattinson, he was also asked in an interview uh, what Batman, what previous Batmans he looked at for uh, inspiration, where, where he was taking pieces from. And he said... Uh, what do you say? I sincerely believe that the tone of the Batman has nothing to do uh, with the other movies. It feels new in the comics. Batman is someone more unstable. If you read between the lines, it's actually very sad. Whereas in the cinema, it's always a heroic side that's put forward. The Batman uh, does the opposite. We capture an inner inner bubbling of the character that in my opinion, the only other uh, movie to achieve this was the animated film, Batman mask of the phantasm, which clearly made me very excited. If he's like, oh, I'm trying to be Batman Mask of the Phantasm, like, go for it, man. That's great. It sounds Good a little bit like he hasn't watched other Batman movies, though, right? Yeah, I don't think he has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds like he watched Batman Mask of the Phantasm as a kid and then um, has not watched any of the other ones. Like, it really has that, like, intense sound. So when you say, like, the other Batman movies, like, it's more heroic, it's like, well, I mean, actually, I think one of the things that feels really samey about Batman movies is that it's like he's a dark, grim Avenger in most of these movies. Yeah. And it's sort of old at this point. We maybe want a more heroic Batman these days. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So eh, we'll I would fine. also say that uh, of the Batman movies, aside from 66, Mask of the Phantasm is probably the most heroic Batman. Like he's the most hopeful in that, even though right. like everything around him is destroyed and ruined by the end. But like he still he believes that like the Joker should be saved and things like right. that. You know, it's a very different Batman. He's, he's also like the only one that, well, him and George Clooney are the only ones that don't kill. So there you go. 
I would I would love if Robert Pattinson when the actual when he's done with this character is like I actually never watched a Batman. Just never liked I, Batman that much. You know. He's like, I still don't know who the fuck Batman is. <laughs> I, no one ever explained to me why he became Batman. Like, he's just Batman. Like, what? Uh moving on, we're gonna do controversial Marvel news. And that's that Evangeline. Did they Lilly, put a woman in it? They put a woman in, in a Marvel. Is that why it's controversial? Yes. Yes. Uh, kind of. Well, they put a woman at the anti-vax rally. Oh, <laughs> uh, this one. Oh, this is actually bad. Yeah, I, I thought when you say controversial Marvel news, I'm, I, my my immediate thought goes, oh, they cast a woman in a movie, or they yeah. cast a person of color in a movie. That's very controversial. But oh no, Evangeline Lilly went to RFK Jr.'s rally where he compared vaccines to the Holocaust. Very bad. Yes. Business. Yes. And Simu Liu has come out against her, saying that revealing that his grandparents both died of COVID. When you say came so out against her, is he saying that he will fight her, or is it just saying that he disagrees with her? He said Civil War Two, me and Evangeline Lilly. Did he no, say I that? Don't. No, <laughs> no, he That'd did not. Really he, he he did not speak of her in like straight out. He just said like, like my he, grandparents died of COVID, and I take it really seriously, and I wish people would stop being such jackasses about it. Right? Yeah, yeah. He All did right. a little shadow, you know, a little shade action. Is what he did. He did a little subtweet. A little subtweeting. Him and uh, David Dashamon. Yeah, it's un- it's unfortunate, right? I mean, um, this is where you insert the Kate, we have to go back meme. Uh, <laughs> Kate, we have to go back to sanity. It's very unfortunate. It's like really unfortunate. And uh, Kevin Feige must be honestly very upset because he just had to go through all this bullshit with Black Panther 2. Yes. And now he's got to go through all this bullshit with Ant-Man 3. And, yeah. uh, you know, it seems reasonable that, like, like is she done? You know I, what I mean? I, I mean, well, here's the thing is, as far as I know, at least, it didn't – whatever her stance on vaccination is personally, it didn't seem to affect uh, filming of Ant-Man. She's right? definitely vaccinated, yeah. She's definitely yeah. vaccinated because like, she she had to do it to go, to, to go overseas to shoot. Yeah. Do they do Ant-Man overseas? They did it in the UK, I believe. Okay, I didn't know that. I think so. So yeah. So then I mean she would have had to do stuff for that, right? So I think so. I'm pretty sure I'm sure she I'm sure she is. I mean, I don't know. It just it's very disappointing. It's very sad. It's very exhausting. Um it As really my buddy Todd put it, Dope Van Dyne should be her name. There we go. Uh not not you know, dope Van Dyne, I guess. Yeah, that works. Uh, uh, the only thing worse is that if maybe she had come out and also bought a bored ape, like yes. if she had done that yeah. at the same thing, and also <laughs> here's my bored ape that I have bought, then we'd be like, oh Jesus, too yeah. much. Yeah. Um, I you know I don't really care that much about um people's political views, like famous people's political views. It's not, none of my business. I don't really give a shit. Like it doesn't yes. matter to me. Like I I, can, I, I watch movies made by people who were almost certainly fascist murderers. I mean, all kinds of horrible things. Like, uh, I don't care. It's just exhausting. Yes. It's just like I have turned into, after a lot of years, I have finally turned into one of these, why don't you just keep your opinion to yourself with people? Like, well, it, just it, shut up it's a thing. It's a thing where, you, like, you're, you, like, every now and then you'll just be like, oh, God damn it, that person's an idiot. And, you, you know, and it's a bummer to learn that. And you're like, oh, I wish I didn't know that. But Yeah, I mean, it's funny because... I was talking to somebody the other day about like actors who get like canceled for being like abusive on set, like jerks and jackasses and yelling at people and being mean. 
And my usual thing when I hear that is I, my usual response is, Ooh, tell me more. Uh, like I want to hear about somebody being a jerk on set. That's always a good story, but somebody like who like doesn't believe in vaccines or whatever. It's not a good story. It just sucks. It's just not even interesting. It's not even like you can go, Oh man, here's something crazy about Evangeline Lilly. Like, it's like, you know, Oh, she doesn't believe in vaccines. Oh, great. Yeah. It isn't like, Oh, I heard that Evangeline Lilly made the hairdresser cry. Like that's like at least a story to tell, but like, Oh, she doesn't like vaccines. Yeah. But the vaccines get out of here. Shut up. It's I heard Evangeline Lilly gave the hairdresser COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not fun. Nobody, nobody, nobody likes that. Nobody likes that story. Uh, well, well you know, hopefully between now and the release of this movie, people will like sort of like sort of forget it. And then she'll have some thing to say on the press tour where yeah. she'll say, I'm vaccinated, of course, but I just feel that, you know, I mean, whatever. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not her fucking publicist. They pay yeah. a lot of money yeah, to figure that out. Yeah. They'll, you know, they'll be fine. They'll be totally fine. Uh, moving on from Marvel heroes doing horrible things or not horrible, but bad things, seemingly bad things. Uh, to a DC hero who is maybe trying to fix his own image. Uh, Ezra Miller has threatened to kill the KKK. <laughs> weirdest news story of the whole week, right? That is the, <laughs> the single weirdest news story in the whole week. That's what, you yes. know, when I'm talking about the ones where I'm like, Ooh, tell me more. Ezra Miller making a fucking TikTok video in his car, uh, threatening to kill the North Carolina KKK. <laughs> like, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you. All I could think of was, was, uh, uh what's his name? Um, Jason Keelar, the head of like of Warner Brothers, being like, Ezra, we got to have something out there that's going to move past you choke slamming that woman on video. And Ezra's like, I got it. Don't worry. I'm going to put it out today. And this is what he puts out. And they're like, well, it's better. <laughs> this is a better video to get spread around. It's pretty good because nobody knows what to make of it. That's what I think nope. the best part about it. Like nobody's <laughs> sure what to make of it. But what's great is you can clearly see his flash ring. So it's like the flash is calling out the KKK. He's like, I'm done with you guys. I'm taking it down. Like, yeah, okay. Okay, Flash, I'm with you. Let's do that. It's, I don't know if you yourself should go out there and murder people. That's a little much. You know what? If he feels called to do it, he feels called to do it, right? I mean, uh, it's so – it's it really is – when that happened and I watched that video, uh, I was like, this is a gift. This is a gift. I don't really – I'm not a gossip person. I'm not like a celebrity person like, you know. But yes. this kind of nonsense is like 100% a gift. Yes. Yeah. And what's good is that nobody even did memes about it because you can't meme it. Like there's not there's nothing better than the video. Like you can't like pr- plus the video no, in any kind of no, meaningful you way. Can't. No, no, it's very, it's just very weird. And like, okay, I guess that's where we're headed. <laughs> I guess we're gonna see where this goes. And, and I love too that he's like, hey, North Carolina KKK, you know what you did? Yeah, it's so like, good. It's like, does he just mean? racism in general or is he did they do something specific no because he says if you keep doing what you're doing and you'll get killed basically but again uh, is that just racism in general because uh, he's calling out one specific chapter like of a town it's not even just north yes. carolina it's like a town so yeah. there is like a local kkk group that he is pissed off at he's targeted for some reason maybe you know somebody lives there i don't know i don't know i maybe he lives there maybe he has a property there maybe maybe i have no idea that's a very good point but uh, moving on, uh, James Gunn talked to Hero Nation podcast about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which he says is his last Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and kind of suggests that it's his last Marvel work, and uh, said it's big, it's so, so big and dark and different from what people might be expecting it to be. Hmm. And uh, at the same time, uh, 
what's his name? The actor who played Drax did an interview where David he said, uh, "Yes, Dave Batista did an interview where he said that Guardians of the Galaxy three is the last time we'll see these characters." So, so he seems to be suggesting they're all going to die. So we'll see. That'd be great. That'd be pretty wild if the final Guardians of the Galaxy movie ended with them or the third one ends with them dying. I'd be like, Marvel, shocking. <laughs> like, really going for it. So uh, on the same podcast, James Gunn said that uh, he is working on a second Suicide Squad spinoff series. Yeah, but didn't say what's character, but it's got to be a weird character, right? Like if he's it's got to be Ratcatcher. She's the only one who's left. Uh, like I don't see Idris Elba Weasel. or or maybe Weasel, but I I feel like Ratcatcher because he originally was they were going to kill Ratcatcher, and then they decided not to. So I feel like that's where he he wants to go. He could do both. He could have Weasel in a Ratcatcher show. I was thinking it would be Ratcatcher with King Shark if the budget is big enough. Mm, yeah, he got like for the CG, that. not for like Stallone's voice. I think Stallone would just come and do VO, no problem. But like the CG of King Shark, I don't know how much that would cost for a TV show. They yeah. did a pretty good ape CG in this episode. They did, they did. But that's just like but, a uh, five minute ape CG. They didn't do like all yes, episodes yeah, episodes yeah, and that's only one episode. It's not here's King Shark hanging out the whole time for eight episodes or whatever. But I there's don't know. Big, I don't know what that costs. There's a big rumor that. Chuck Woody Iwuji, who plays Mr. Mr. Mern in Peacemaker, yeah. that he's going to play the High Evolutionary. Oh, that's Guardians. interesting. It's a, it's a big rumor. That'd be interesting. It'd be really interesting. That's a really interesting, and that feels like an angle that Gunn might go at. Um, yeah. Because he has said that his character is super powerful, but I don't know yes. what, what else is making that rumor come about, but it'd be kind of cool. That would be. We'll see. I guess we'll see. Uh, he also said that he's that he might do that he wants to do a second season of Peacemaker. He said that there uh, basically it's crossing the T's and dotting the I's and it's all just basically him. Yes, because he also wants to, to take some things. time off post Guardians three because he right. he's been working nonstop for like four years like right. on all this stuff and he's like I kind of like to take a break. But I mean it's funny because he's like I want to take a break, but at the same time I went to HBO and said I want to do a second show, and they were like, Yeah, let's do it. Well, and you know what it is? He wants to take a break, but he also wants to make a lot of money, and he also wants to strike while the iron is hot because yes. he recognizes that there's a moment where Warner Brothers doesn't know what to do with these characters, and he can really get in there and have a real impact. I mean that that's it's even separate from the problem that he had with Marvel and getting fired by Disney. That's a really good reason to like sort of leave Marvel behind and go over here because yes. there's such an opportunity for a filmmaker uh, to really define some of these characters in a big way and define what this stuff is yeah. that it, he did a little bit in Marvel, right? Like with guardians, he definitely, when you watch guardians, he definitely moved the Marvel universe. I mean, there's, you can go back and find stuff from HBO or Warner brothers execs who are now have since been fired <laughs> since James Gunn first got hired to do suicide squad where they talk about how like, we're looking at James Gunn to kind of help us figure out how to handle all of this stuff. Like he's right. going to be kind of behind the scenes, helping us with every character and every story and like where this universe should go. And maybe they're still doing that. I don't know. I have no idea. Or maybe when Warner brothers changed uh, leadership for the third time in like two years, that plan went out the window and now he's just doing whatever he wants. And, and especially with peacemaker apparently being a huge success, they're not going to say no to him. Right. So I mean, it's a huge success by whatever metrics people use to decide a streaming show is a success. Nobody knows what those metrics are. It's the biggest <laughs> yeah. show on television in the world. Sure, why not? Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, if you say so. If you, if you, yeah, who am I to argue? I have no idea. I have no clue. Yeah, 
Su- Suicide Squad movie is the most viewed movie on HBO Max. Okay, I guess. I don't know. Or most viewed DC movie on HBO Max. Sure. Okay. Sure, why not? Okay. Who you might I tell so. you no? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are people out there who will tell you they're lying. But they don't have any evidence either. I mean, I have no idea. Like, I, I, that's not even sarcastic. I literally have no idea. Like, and that's how it is with all the streaming stuff. I have no clue what the hell's going on. So, yeah. You know, if you tell me it's a big hit, I'm going to, I guess I'll believe you. Like when Netflix insists that Red Notice is huge, I'm like, okay. Sure. I, I honestly believe that Red that red Notice is huge. I f- firmly believe that. Do, do, why? Because so many people I know who aren't online people, who aren't like constantly online and stuff, but watch a lot of like movies and whatnot. They're all like, have you seen, have you seen Red Notice? It's amazing. It's fantastic. It's so great. I've watched it like three times. I'm like, really? I barely made it through it once. Okay. I will never watch but it. It hits it hits a market. There's a market never, for that. I will, this is, I will never watch it. This is my promise to you. I will never watch Red Notice. Okay. I. You can. I mean, there's nothing horrifically evil about it. And life is too short. I'm, okay. I'm living my life to the fullest. And yeah, you're, I know, because you're watching Survivor for like the 30th time. You're watching seasons, so... It's crazy watching some of these early 2000 seasons of Survivor because, um, like, the racism is, like, next level, and nobody thinks they're racist. It's all like, I'm colorblind. I judge a person by the character, the color, by the character, their content of their character, not the color of their skin. And then they're me like, well, this black contestant's very lazy, and I don't really trust this Asian contestant. Like, it's crazy. And uh, the gender stuff is A friend of mine once nuts. said, when somebody tells you they're colorblind, keep in mind that even in grayscale, there's different l- layers. Like <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild yeah. watching it. Uh, a lot of stuff that would not fly today, um, definitely uh, flying uh, back in 2005 on Survivor. Yeah. All right, what else we got? Show. That's it for news. Oh, that wasn't that much. You said a lot. I thought we were going to talk more about the Evangeline Lilly stuff. What's there to say? It's just exhausting. I don't know. I don't know. It is. All of this stuff is exhausting. All of this stuff is exhausting because it's people fighting over nothing because I just don't, I can't believe these people believe what they're saying. Do you know what I mean? Like I just, it's, that's the part that like, I can't wrap my head around. Like is is Evangeline Lilly like believe that children should not have to get shots to go to school. I don't understand it. Like I don't get it. No, it's all insane. It's all very insane. Like if that's what she believed in, she homeschooled all all of her kids then okay, I guess, but I suspect that isn't the case. I don't think she did. Or maybe, I mean, maybe she hired somebody to homeschool her kids. I have no idea. It's just like, it's just, the whole thing I seem to remember her being like anti-mask when this all started, too. I'm sure she was. I didn't look into it. Look, it's not as bad as Matthew Fox beating up a lady on a bus. That's that's way worse. So in terms of like that, Paul Rudd's still coming out like smelling like roses. Uh, Matthew Fox looking pretty bad in general. Yeah. Uh, Although he's very good in Speed Racer. He's great in Speed Racer. But he's not, right. you know, beat a woman on a bus crate. So <laughs> that's the problem there. You know? All right. Maybe he beat the bus driver. He beat somebody on a bus. I don't know. I'm just saying slander now. I have to look this up because. Yeah, uh, you better make sure. Allegedly. 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 Imagine Matthew Fox listening to this. <laughs> it's like finally my comeback. This, this is going to be our first episode oh, was, that's uh, not on Spotify, right? It was, uh, uh, you know what? I, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh okay. Uh, he uh, beat a female bus driver. Jesus. What was he doing on a bus? It was a party bus. Oh, okay. That makes a so little more was, sense. He was being drunk. He okay. was being drunk, and uh, she refused to allow him on a private party bus in Cleveland, Ohio, and he punched her a bunch of times, and then she eventually dropped the 
lawsuit, which I probably means she probably went out of, out of court. Yeah. She probably just paid her a bunch of money. I, I have a very similar story. That you also beat a party bus driver? <laughs> no, but I was at a party uh, at my friend Ian Moreno's house, and we were all partying, and then a party bus pulled up to his house, and we were all like, who's this party bus? And these other people got out and just kind of joined our party who were in that party bus. We're like, we don't know who you guys are, but we saw you're having a party. We thought we'd come hang out. And so the two parties intermingled, and then I ended up on the party bus going off with them. So they did not kick me off, and there was no fighting. We just all had a great time. That was it. I took a party bus down to um, the Abraham Lincoln Library in uh, in Illinois, and we got a private tour of the Abraham Lincoln tomb, and I got to touch. Why well, no? I got, I didn't get to touch it. Actually, I lied. You can't touch it. It's a, you can't touch it. But I got to look at in person the hat that he was wearing the night that he got his head blown off. Yeah. And I got to see the bloody gloves that he was wearing the night that he got his head blown off. When I went to the Star Trek, that was for a, that was for Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. That's fun. That was, I got to, that was the, that was the event for that. It was fucking amazing. Like we got a private tour of Abe Lincoln's tomb and his his, like his personal belongings. It was crazy. And then got shit faced on a party bus. If you ever come out this way again, we can go to the Henry Ford museum where they have the chair he was sitting in when he got shot and that's covered in blood. And right next to it is Kennedy's, uh, the car that Kennedy got assassinated in. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That there's no blood on that though, because they cleaned it and used it again for like a couple of years. So. That one's clean, but it's just you know, sitting there, and you're like, oh, there it is. Wait, wait, he was, no, he was not in a Ford. He was in a, oh, he was, yeah, he was. He, he was in a Lincoln. He was in a Lincoln, and Lincoln was shot in the Ford Theater. Yeah. So Kennedy was shot in a Lincoln, and Lincoln was shot in the Ford Theater. So the yeah. Lincoln Ford. Yeah, there you go. That's and they sit pretty next crazy. to each other in the uh, Henry Ford Museum. And the other, but there's nobody Jewish in there, right? Uh, I don't think so. Because Henry Ford noted anti-Semite. Uh, why is... Uh, there, there, there was absolutely no Spock stuff when they did the Star Trek thing. <laughs> it was very weird. And then you put that together. No. Uh, uh, so, yes, um, I actually reached out to the podcasting service that we use today to find out about how we get this podcast off of Spotify. Yeah. And I wanted to talk to you about it. Okay. Should we do it? Sure. I... I mean, you're the one that knows the numbers. If if we're ninety percent Spotify, I would say maybe ah, not. But you and I are. Do you we assume differently? You would assume I look at the numbers. I no longer do that. <laughs> okay. Well, it's too much stress. Sure. It's too yeah. much stress. It's too much stress. The only numbers that I care about are the Patreon numbers at this point. So this show, I'm just glad to have it out there. I think it's delightful. Yeah. Would everybody go join the Patreon? Definitely go join the Patreon. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I'm thinking about it. I, mean, I had the information. I don't know how long it's going to take to get it done, um, but uh, I am thinking about it. So I wanted to run it by you first. Sure. And I guess I want to run it by the listeners. Listeners out there, who out there is listening to them on Spotify exclusively, and it's going to be a real hardship for you if we get off Spotify. Us leaving Spotify is not going to make a dent in Spotify, even if we do well on Spotify. Even if 90% of our listeners come through Spotify, it's not that's not a drop in the bucket for Spotify. Yeah. It would simply be a moral decision. Yeah. And would some, once again be a decision where I'm jumping on a Neil Young bandwagon yet again. <laughs> Uh, so we'll, but, we'll just go join the podcast spots that have every other crazy anti-vax right wing. Well, we're going to go on – we're going to make an account on Gab and uh, we're going to have our podcast hosted on 8chan specifically. There you go. So. <laughs> there you go. 
Uh, well, you no, know, the thing about Spotify is not that it's it's a it's that they have an exclusive deal with Joe Rogan, and they gave him a hundred yeah. million dollars, and he is yeah. like their star. And when you open up Spotify, Joe Rogan's face is like on your fucking app. Like it's like they really he's like a big deal. You know what I mean? It isn't just like that. There's other people saying dumb shit out there. Yeah. They said he's a really big deal, and he's like probably their biggest podcaster. I mean, he is their biggest. He's the biggest podcast in in the world. Right. Yeah. So like, it's not like a little dumb thing. Like this is like a a dipshit. And I have like a lot of very conflicting feelings about it because I don't think that the answer to this is to just try to shut Joe Rogan up because that never works. Right. That just doesn't work. That just makes what he's saying to the dipshits that like him sound more reasonable and more exciting. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, as a company, should the company want to be associated with that kind of business? That's the company's decision to make. I think they should make it. And it's up to the people who are also associated with that to make a decision if they want to be associated with it. Yeah. So that that becomes the, you know. And again, like the thing is, like I always roll my eyes when people are like, why doesn't Twitter do more to do this? Or why doesn't YouTube do more to do this? And a lot of that stuff is like, well, because it's user-generated content, it's really hard to fucking maintain – good moderation and the moderation is going to be so ham handed that you're going to be mad about all the moderation choices they're making, which are, they already yeah. make bad moderation choices left and right. But because Spotify pays him so much fucking money and promotes him so heavily, if that feels like a yeah. different thing than like, here's some dipshit lo- loading things with the YouTube. It feels different sure. to me. I know. I, I don't disagree, but I, I also think there's, it's funny with this and the whole Tennessee art Spiegelman mouse thing. Is like, well, it, it, does this fix a problem or is this just to make us feel better about our own choice? And then we're still ignoring what the overall actual issue is, which is a severe lack of critical thinking in people. And I don't know how you fix that problem, but like, I think that's really the major issue, you know, where you can buy, you know, I'm going to show some, like, I'm going to show Tennessee by buying a copy of Mouse. And that's great for, you know, Art Spiegelman, who's going to get a little more money. And, it seems like it's the bestseller on Amazon. So good. We gave Jeff Bezos more money. Congratulations. And, uh, you know, but it doesn't help the kids in Tennessee who are not allowed to read mouse. Yeah, but they are. Uh, I, I'm going to get canceled for this and I'm going to get people mad at me, but the, they just pulled it off their curriculum. Kids are allowed to read it. I mean, like, yes, it's not like, yeah. it yeah. isn't like you're going to get kicked out of school for reading mouse. I mean, like, yeah, Kids can go to the library and get mouse. They're just it's yes. pulled out of the curriculum. I think it's bad. I think it's bad that it's pulled out. It's of the terrible. Curriculum. It's it's an amazing story. Everyone should read it. I, I love think, it. But yeah, but I, very, but I yeah, but it isn't. It, it isn't like kids are being kicked out of school for reading mouse. It isn't like that. Like it isn't like yeah. that kind of thing. It's just they just don't not going to teach it in class, um, which I think is bad. It's bad. I'm, don't get me wrong. It's bad, but it's not. And this is by the way, and this is something I've been tweeting about because I kind of, this is driving me a little bit crazy. This is not just mouse. This happens all the time all over the place. Yes. The American Library Association puts together banned book week every single year because every single year books are challenged and banned in schools and libraries across the country. Yes. In this country, not other countries. Banned book week's not about what's banned in China. Banned book week's about what's banned here in America. Yeah. And it happens all the time. So when people are like, I can't believe that they're resorting to banning books, like, hey, I have terrible fucking news to you. There's been books being banned forever. It's never stopped. And it's people on both sides of the aisle banning books. Like this is a larger free speech issue that is separate from this grotesque political moment in which we live. Um, And so I I feel very strongly about that because banned book week was always a thing for me. Um, Banned and centered media has always been a thing that I feel very strongly about. And I'm glad to see people caring about banned books, but I also wish that they would actually – 
go a little bit step further and realize a lot of books are being banned or challenged all of the time. Yes. And like as of 2019, the Harry Potter books were still the eighth most challenged books in America because of w- witchcraft shit. And now you'll have it on both ends. <laughs> exactly. And, but like, you know, Huckleberry Finn is challenged because it has the N-word. Same thing with yes. uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Um, but then there are other books that are challenged because they're about gay themes or about gay characters or they're about people of color or they're about, you know, uh, yeah. social justice themes. And then the, the right-wingers come for those books. And the problem is that we in America keep coming for books. And it's an American thing that we do. And it's very, very bad. And it's bad that it's happening in Tennessee with Mouse, but it's not just there. It is all over the place. And I wish that people would pay a little bit more attention to it because when you talk about the critical thinking stuff, part of it is that. It's that. It's the fact that we're not teaching civics in school anymore. People don't understand how the government works or how the world works. Um, We're just teaching towards standardized tests. So it's really – it's very – it's all very, very bad. Yes. This is going to lose us all of our Spotify subscribers anyway. So I really <laughs> mission mission accomplished. There goes my goal of taking that last podcast money. <laughs> there it is. This is not going to happen. Yeah. There it is. Uh, well, there you go. It's, it's us and lost podcast podcast. It's going to cost you, you know, uh, one point one million and ten listeners Spotify. So get ready <laughs> combined. But I mean, I wanted to say I think the mouse thing is very, very bad, and I think that this school board is a bunch of dipshits, and I think that they're it's the dumbest are, fucking thing in the world. They're like, dumb as hell, and they're yeah. petty, dumb fucking tyrants. One hundred percent. I think they're awful, um, and I think that it's bad. I think these kids should be reading mouse, and I think it should be taught in schools. But I think that book banning is a real fucking problem in this country, all over the place, and I think we should pay more attention to it. Yes. So, so I'm glad you people are paying attention. Please come join me in caring about it uh, other times when it doesn't become a Twitter ch- trending topic. Yes. I'm scolding now, and that's the thing I hate about Twitter. It's all scolding. I, I open what? Twitter, and I'm, I'm being scolded. Being scolded. I, I, One thing that really bums me out about the Neil Young thing is it's it's him. It's uh, Neil's law friend. It's uh, Johnny uh, Mitchell. Johnny Mitchell. And it's like, once again, I'm seeing the issue of there's no current like big names that are willing to do this do kind you, of stuff. Do you know what the secret sad. is here? No. That actually, it's the old artists that are all the money for these streaming services. Oh, is it? Yeah, like they get streamed a lot more than other people do. Yeah. Like more than Taylor Swift? I mean, like it depends like from day to day or whatever, but those are like bedrock. Like Neil Young is like bedrock for Spotify. Is he? Like that okay. is like a, a thing that happens. It streams all the time. It doesn't go up and down. Like it's like a solid thing. Just a constant so, flow. Yeah, there was a whole thing I was reading, and now I can't find it. Uh I'm going to try to find it with middle-aged men Googling. Um, old We're looking and, things uh, up to tell you things you didn't ask about. Uh, well, anyway, there was a really interesting article that was like the future of music streaming is old music because that's kind of the stuff that forms the, the – because the, the new stuff, it's, it's, it comes and goes. Sure. But people are going to be listening to Neil Young. They've been listening to Neil Young ever since they launched a streaming service, and they're going to listen to Neil Young until they're done with the streaming services. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's going to be there. Whatever's hot today, it may not, nobody will listen to it in six months. It's just going to yeah. be gone. Like, nobody cares yeah. about it anymore. Like, some of these artists, like Taylor Swift, probably do have like a pretty reasonable, you know. Yeah, I feel like she's going to last a while. <laughs> I think she's going to. I think she's going to have a fan base for a while. She may not be the Beatles, but I don't think she's going to disappear. 
but 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 like I mean like so so she's not quite the same way that she is like spiking on like on like hit from hit from hit to hit. But like it's these old artists that really create this like cushion for these streaming yeah. services. So yeah, I'll try to find yeah. the article. Uh, I think it's fucked up that they expect us to pay money for music now. That was a whole thing too. I don't want to talk about <laughs> this. This is already too long. <laughs> it just made me laugh when I saw that earlier. This All is right. already too long. All right, you got uh, some jokes. I got jokes. I need your help for this first one. Okay. I'm going to be uh, Batman and you're going to be Batgirl. You ready? Okay. Uh, knock, knock. Who's there? Needle. Needle who? Need a little help here. The Joker's on the loose again. Definitely should get to the point faster, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. What is Green Lantern's favorite playground equipment? What? The power swing. I don't know that one. Sounds like a sex toy. Okay. Yeah, it does. <laughs> what do Captain Cold's grandkids call him? What? Ice pop pop. Mm. I'll allow it. Yep. I'll there allow you it. go. I'm just happy that they're actually connecting into the characters of the DC universe. <laughs> I mean, again, this is a better joke book as a result. In yeah. general. Yeah. Yeah. In general, it is a it is a much, much better joke book. All right. You ready to talk about the latest episode of Peacemaker? I know. I'm excited because I wrote my own uh, episode breakdown. Oh, shit. I didn't like the ones I had found previously. So Nice. Yeah. Let's do it. Dory chapter or chapter five monkey Dory and we start off with a peacemaker at home and he's hung over and he's making a little little egg glass of egg for himself with some uh, hot sauce and pepper and whatnot it looks d- awful it looks gross he takes it right down good for him good for John Cena uh, knocking but I guess he's a big guy those big guys as I learned in the motion picture Rocky those big guys just knock back eggs yeah I don't know why it's a protein it like thing it's like a direct protein thing it just seems so gross. But they do it. I think it's because they're tough dudes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think you're not like frying it up, so you're not getting anything else added to it. You're just getting the... But he's putting in like the the hot sauce and the pepper. Well, yeah, I think that that's then, he's like, that's like a, a weird Bloody Mary kind yeah. of a... I mean, it's a hangover thing. cure thing. Yeah, it's it? a hangover cure, yeah. 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 Uh, and then uh, he feeds the butterfly some, some butterfly goo. Uh, the butterfly alien, and then he goes outside and he sits outside and eagerly goes and flies off and then brings him back a dead rodent, which he's very happy about. He's like, oh, thank you so much, but I'm not Well, he recognizes that. what a sweet gesture it is. Yes. Yeah. I love Eagly. Eagly's great. I love Eagly. Uh, from there, we go and check in with uh, Leota, and she's getting ready to leave for work when her wife shows up at the hotel and is like, where have you been? You're not calling me. You're not talking to me. I'm I'm I know that you took this job because we were both out of work and we needed money, but you know we can't let this tear us apart. And she's like, I know I want to talk to you, but I got to go. I'm going to be late for work. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And then we get to uh, everybody at the office, and Economos has made a, I thought, very cool PowerPoint, but <laughs> no one else agreed, I suppose, uh, so that uh, Mern could explain the, the uh, butterfly aliens to everyone and how they were discovered, I believe he says, a year ago in the... 
the heads of uh, celebrities who died on a plane crash. Yes. And uh, they've, they've been spreading. Humans are humans with the butterflies in them are four times stronger, roughly as strong as, as a chimpanzee. And then, which I think is some foreshadowing discussing the uh, chimpanzee uh, monkey human relations uh, becomes a, a topic of conversation here. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I like that. Uh, Vigilante keeps thinking that that picture was about the chimpanzee and the humans combined being, working together. Being friends, yeah, exactly. Being friends, yeah. which I, I like very much. And he's later on, he's like, but what, wasn't that a sweet idea, though, if the human and the chimp really became friends? It's like so funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we also discussed whether or not the the butterflies go up the ass, because as Economist points out, they said all orifices, that would include the asshole. Uh, Vigilante thinks that, that it's disgusting to imagine that the aliens would go through poop and it's bigotry to think they would be that dirty. <laughs> then uh peacemaker claims that uh superman has a poop fetish boy which, oh boy i which love everyone gets this. very upset by and then yeah. he, when they say how do you know that he says google and uh hardcore says says google doesn't know and he goes oh you're smarter than google congratulations superman <laughs> you know more than google Superman having a Shiza fetish is incredible. I, I can't imagine. That's crazy. They allow him to make that joke. It's crazy to me. They don't care. <laughs> they really like, don't care. No. I mean, it's like kind of incredible because that feels like more out there than anything I've ever seen or heard around the character of Superman. I mean, there's the Man of Steel, Woman of Tissue from the 70s. But that's, right? but that's, but that's, that's, not, that's not, not official. DC approved, yeah. Right. That's not an official thing, right? So yeah. I'm trying to think of what is an official thing. There's like ones where he kills people or goes bad or whatever. Those like feel yeah. like whatever. But, but like there's no words like Lois finish. Lane shit on this glass table and I'm going to look up at it. Like, like there's none of that. Yeah, it's like really crazy. Like it's like yeah. one of them is like, all right, do it. Do it. Yeah, yeah. Have fun. Go for it. Party it out. Uh, we also learned that the butterfly food is not of this earth. They don't know what it is. And uh, Peacemaker keeps making fun of Economos's PowerPoint. Economos finally gets angry and is like, look, you know, you got to cut this out. I, I'm sorry I got your dad put in prison. And then uh, Peacemaker gives a long list of other people he could have chosen besides his father to be in prison, which are Ariana Grande, Drake. Brad Pitt, Payne Stewart, Doug the Pug, Chloe Kardashian, the Red Tiger from Voltron, Fran Tarkleton, uh, Joe Montana, Joe Montana, excuse me, Joe Montana, Joe Montana, Eddie Murphy, Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, BTS, Eugene Levy, John Lovitz, Danny DeVito, Will Ferrell, Howard Stern, Baba Bowie, Robin Ophelia Quivers, Alice Cooper, Ozzy Osbourne, Sharon Osbourne, at which point the camera cuts the vigilante and he laughs. I like a little callback. Uh, Bill Cosby. <laughs> Amy Winehouse, Optimus Prime, Shipwreck, Cobra Commander, and the, I'm not going to quote them exactly here, the cast of Riverdale. <laughs> and, uh, and then there's a longer version of it in the post-credits. Yes, I have that for at the end of this. Oh, boy. I have those uh, it is a very good, it's a very good bit. Um, it is very funny. It is, uh, it is very delightful. Yes. I, I do love that it cuts the vigilante and he laughs when he says Sharon Osbourne, cut, reminding us of the first episode. Right. He said his girlfriend's name was Sharon Osbourne. Yeah. And I like that. Uh, we also learned that Vigilante is a fan of the show Fargo. <laughs> he has to go home watch Fargo. He has to go home watch Fargo. If they're going to stay overnight, he needs to know that they have cable. <laughs> it's so funny. And, when he's like, well, do we have cable here? It's like such an amazing 12-year-old kid sleepover question. It's like incredible. It's so good. Yes. And uh, Mern tells them all that he'll stay behind while they go on this mission, and he's going to deal with the White Dragon. 
uh, which is Peacemaker's dead, and they can go do their own stuff. And I believe that's when it cuts to the credits, right? Is that when they have the conversation about being a bully, or is that after the credits? That's after the credits. Okay, sure. You're the one doing the thing, so you're the you're the you're the you're the recap man. I, I trust yeah. you. Because I feel like, yeah, yeah, because it's uh, kind of us is walking out and he's like, like, he's like, you guys are just assholes. And he turns around and he's like, and Fargo's on tomorrow night, night tonight, you idiot. And then they, that's when it goes to the credits. Okay. Uh, then we go to, we come back from the credits and it's Song and Fitzgibbon are talking to Augie, who explains to them that, that if they check his fingerprints, it's not going to be his fingerprints that they have on file. And they're like, okay, we'll do a fingerprint check. Uh, now we, we get back. more racism in here too. Um, and she yes. now is a little bit on her game, like where the, he is being really racist to her. And then she's able, she just starts comparing, she's just calling him by different white men's names because yes. she can't tell white men apart. Yeah, he, he, he calls her Lucy Lou and she's like, why? Cause, cause we're both Asian. And then she goes through like Guy Fieri, yeah. like the whitest <laughs> of white people. And, but she runs out very quickly as she points out. She's like, I'm running out of white people. Yeah. It's a really good, it's, it's a, it's a really good, uh, it's a really good bit. I mean, it's like it was complaints about her in that first episode where she's getting like abused a little bit and can't keep yeah. up. But it seems to me that the arc of this character is going to be that she's going to own Augie by the end. Oh, like, for sure. Fully own Augie. Yeah. 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 She's going to, she's going to be the new captain by the end. And, uh, so we got that. And then we go back to the base and Leota, this is where Leota is telling Peacemaker. He's got to chill on Economos. That he's being too tough on him. And vigilante is like, that's just his way. He's a bully. And Peacemaker is very shocked to find out that he's a bully. And uh, and then Vigilante says he used to give everybody, like he gave his brother, his older brother, a nickname uh, uh, Prince Valiant. And Peacemaker's like, well, that's because he was such a good looking guy. He's like, I thought it was because he had a, his penis looked like a, like a scepter. And that's where we learn that he gives everyone penis nicknames. Yeah. And so we also learn what I think the great bit here is that, um, is that James Gunn is directly addressing the the Twitter populace because yes. he uh, Peacemaker says calling me a bully is bullying and he, sa- he uh, says I got bullied by kids too they called me a bully all the time and said I was abusive <laughs> which is like a hundred percent him yes. calling out the Snyder guys like it's 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 a hundred percent I loved it it was so fucking funny it was so delightful yes yeah well is it the Snyder guys or is he going after the guys that got him fired from Marvel. It's all the same. It's all yeah. he's going after all these guys because he's also getting shit from the Snyder guys, right? I mean, like so, um, but like he's getting shit from those guys. He's getting shit from the right wingers that went after him and got him fired. Um, he's doing the same thing. The idea that like the abusive assholes that cry, "Oh no, I'm being I'm being abused." Yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's perfect. It's a perfect little bit. It's so fucking good. We also get a little a nice little bit of vigilante here, where vigilante says that after every time. Peacemaker would give somebody a nickname based on their penis. They would walk in the other room and cry, but he didn't walk into the room, another room and cry because he doesn't feel anything. But he doesn't have emotions <laughs> like other people. Yeah, he doesn't have emotions like other people. So he's a sociopath. That's he's I mean, we, we, that's where yeah. we get to here. He's a sociopath. Yeah, like it's not like that, it's not a huge leap that he's a sociopath. But it's just, it's just a funny little bit where he's like, I don't have emotions. Like, yeah, it's just like a very funny way of fully revealing that he is a hundred percent a sociopath. Like it's yeah. really pretty great. Yeah. Uh, from there we go to they're on their way to the plant. They're in the truck. And this is the first moment where Peacemaker and Economos kind of ha- have a, a little bit of a bonding when they when Economos reveals that he's a big fan of Hanoi Rocks and he even has yeah. a Hanoi Rocks tattoo. This is um this is classic gun. I mean, this is like such classic gun. And it's such a bummer that he's gonna probably kill half of these characters by the end of the series. <laughs> because 
like he's taken these characters, he's made them all likable and funny. He's made them not like each other. And then he spends this episode bonding them and he bonds them perfectly, like perfectly. So like later on, they're talking about this Hanoi rock song, 11 street kids, which is what Economos's tattoo is. And later on, Harcourt uses that as the, yeah, uh, that becomes their team name. That's like, yeah, that's their, it's their, it's it's their chat group name. So like, it's like perfect. And like, it's like such a well done sequence that he doesn't, he never, this whole sequence, this whole, action and everything sequence he never loses sight of the individual characters and the ways they rub each other no. wrong but he also manages to bond them together in that way that um he did it really well on guardians of the galaxy right yes but he had to do it fast here in the peacemaker show he's got five hours to get here it's like fucking masterful yes like when, we, done. when we get here it is just it feels so right it feels a hundred percent like what you want you want to see these guys operating as a team you want to see these guys having each other's back and having in jokes and having all these other things yeah that's like um, and he gets it he totally gives it to us and and i hope we'll go more into that later because there's more pieces to that that are i find very interesting in the way he sets it up but um moving on as they're listening to hanoi rocks mern is meeting with a strange man in his hotel room who knocks on the window instead of the door which upsets mern do you know who this guy is captain Locke. yeah but do you know who he is no there's like no DC character that seems to N- not off the top of my head because no. he's like a weird guy. He's obviously a butterfly, right? So like, um, and he's but he's like uh, obviously it's kind of weird butterfly because he doesn't know how to knock on a door properly. Um, but he's also been around. Like they they reckon they they talk about some battle. Well, he, he said he said well this is why I'm not sure that he is a butterfly because he says to Mern. Uh, Don't forget, I worked with you back in wherever like Grenada or wherever. Blah blah blah. He's like he's like the things you did there. They're they're unspeakable. And Mern says, I've changed since then. Which suggests to me it's he's the butterfly has changed him. Yeah. Interesting. I am That's curious. I did, did he say grenade? I thought he said like some alien. I, I don't grenade. remember where he said, but like someplace where they did horrible atrocities. Is, is interesting. That's an interesting yeah. theory. I guess that makes a lot of sense, you know, that uh that this is a guy from Mern's past as opposed to a guy from his present. Yeah. That, that's how I took it at least. But I guess we'll see. But he says uh, that he's going to take care of this Augie problem, basically. The problem he's going to take care of this Augie problem. Yeah. He's, he's going to do it, and Burns like, yeah, but you're a sledgehammer. And he goes, ah, I'm more like a ball-peen hammer these days. Um, so yeah. that's like that storyline is now being sort of kind played of with, taken, yeah. played with. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to see where it goes. It's going to go somewhere. I trust Gunn. Uh, at the same time, uh, Song and Fitzgibbons are getting are checking out Augie's fingerprints, and they see that they're not the same as the ones on file for the crime scene. And uh, they go to see Amber and Evan, the couple. And I really Evan, like that sequence, by the way, because they have great. the lady who's like, uh, I'll, "I'll take a picture of my phone. I'm going to airdrop yeah, it yeah. to you." <laughs> yeah, I don't have that that micro tech on my phone. Micro imaging. <laughs> yeah, so good. Yeah. It's such a good little bit. He's really yeah. good at putting those comedy beats in in what would be an otherwise a really kind of boring and pointless scene yes. um, but he makes it he makes it worth sitting through because there's these really great little comedy beats in the but he also knows to do it quick don't don't spend 10 minutes on that right in and out in and out you know right because they do that they look at the fingerprints they see they don't match they go talk to evan and amber and they open evan opens up the door and two seconds before they even say anything he's like he's like oh they made us to lie to you like he just does it instantly. Like he understands. Like we don't want to spend too much time on this part. People want to see. Well, that's also gets. that's also that's also a good character bit though. That he's so weak yes, that he immediately so folds. Like it, without yeah. without even being pushed, he folds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the same time, back with the back with the gang, 
Uh, they're getting ready to to go into the warehouse and see what's up. Uh, this is where we learn that Peacemaker doesn't think that lesbians finger bang. And he, he, when he thinks about it, he's like, of course they do. It just never occurred to him that women have hands. So, so there you go. Uh, and then Vigilante wants to use a chainsaw, but they won't let him. They, yeah, they it's like a whole bitch. Vigilante's like, well, they're, they're like going to like infiltrate this factory. It's this canning factory where they're putting the alien honey into, into, into jars. And so they're going to infiltrate. But uh, Peacemaker is in full costume with his guns. And they're like, yes. this is how you're going in? And then Vigilante's standing there with the fucking chainsaw, the chainsaw. running. And it's great because Harcourt's like, you can't bring that. He goes, what? I can't hear you. The chainsaw is so awesomely loud. <laughs> <laughs> and he just really fucking wants to kill somebody with a chainsaw. He wants yes. to get this checked it's off his He thinks box. it's not fair that he doesn't get to yeah he, he, he throws says here he throws, like, it's not fair he, th- he throws like a little tantrum because he doesn't yeah. get to bring the chainsaw with him yeah. uh to go to go do that uh it's really really good and that's a good by the way also really good foreshadowing yes i agree uh from here uh harcourt and, and uh we're economists gonna stay in the truck harcourt and leota do a quick game of rochambeau to see who's gonna have to take vigilante with them which is interesting that it's vigilante is the problem character i thought it was interesting it's an argument over that, not over. Yeah. Well, he's just like such a, I think he's just such a creep. Like in like, not like a, not like like he's not creepy, but he's just such a weirdo. He's just such a weirdo. Like peacemakers a pain in the ass, but like he like vigilante's got no social skills. He's just such a total weirdo. Yeah, that's true. But so far peacemaker has not been able to do his job. Yeah, and he also just consistently um, makes everybody mad at him. So I yes. guess yeah, you're right. So you know, I was a little shocked. I mean, it was it was an interesting thing of like which which one is the bad one to get? It's kind of a question there. Right. There's really no good there's, one there. There's you no know? Who, whoever whoever wins, we lose. Yeah, but anyway, Leota ends up with Peacemaker. Harcourt gets uh, Vigilante, and Harcourt and Vigilante are going to go into the back through the back, uh, and Peacemaker and Leota are just going to go through the front door into the lobby. Uh, they go in the lobby. Peacemaker turns on his X-ray vision helmet and instantly shoots an old woman in the face with a shotgun. Just shot right gun. away. It's like so good. Like like uh, 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 Leota comes up to have a conversation with her and then just like over her shoulder, Peacemaker blows this blows lady's this fucking face, face off. off. It's amazing. And then kills like four or five other people. And then Leota's like, we were supposed to do this quiet. He's like, X-ray vision. I could see they had the butterflies in their head. And Leota says, you didn't think to give me some sort of single, sing, signal? And he says, the signal was I shot her fucking head off. Yeah, and she goes, I thought we were being chill. He goes, look at me. Don't I seem very chill right now? <laughs> don't I seem very chill right now? Yep. Uh, uh, meanwhile, Vigilante and Harcourt find the jars, and they realize there's thousands of them. Yeah. So there's like, it's, it's a big facility. It's got like thousands huge. and thousands of jars. It's got boxes upon boxes. There's, I mean, we knew there was a lot of butterflies. I have to assume Harcourt knew that. I don't know because two episodes ago we saw that computer screen with yeah. a gazillion butterfly dots. So, yeah. but I mean, she says this might be the the center for the entire country. Right. This is like this their might central. be the shipping center for the for the entire country that we're right. looking at here. So, uh, of course, they very quickly uh, get caught. Harcourt. I'm gonna. Say, I'm, I'm gonna say my first uh, sort of negative thing about Peacemaker. Oh yeah, the alien scream. Uh, I don't like the alien scream that much, but mm-hmm. I also felt that the lighting in this sequence was really flat. And I thought this is a really traditionally well shot show. And yeah. um, I, I think we talked about this last week that like I've been like very frustrated with like how a lot of TV shows and movies are poorly shot these days. And I thought the show's yeah. been really well shot. And the rest of this episode is really well shot. There's just like a bunch of scenes in the um, 
in the warehouse that the lighting is just so flat and looks like um not even like a CW show, but like a UPN show. <laughs> like it really like it has like really throwback vibes to like it was it's it's like weird to me. And I wonder if it's because they had to reshow this vigilante shit. I mean, I'm I'm honestly not sure. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. because this is the last episode that they had the original actor in. Yes. Yeah. And so I wonder if that's part of it. And this or, is a lot of on on location. I think it's on location at least. And it seems like it's on some kind of location. Yeah. So yeah, they had to and, go back to and, some and location stuff. So you can't, you know, if you got to go back and reshoot that stuff, you got to be like, oh, fuck. I mean, a lot of them can't take as much time as we took last time. I mean, he's got his mask on a ton, so they actually probably reshoot less than you'd think. I wonder how that works. I, I, I don't know how what the size difference of the actors are. It's like if physicality is really different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. I just thought that some of this stuff when they were inside the actual facility, I just really did not like the way it was shot and lit. I thought it was really looked cheesy and it really looked like sometimes when they do TV shows and they just go to the hallways of the production office to shoot things, yeah. it like had that feeling to me. Like we're just like in the just in the steam tunnels of the studio lot. Like it yeah. didn't feel like a place to me, which is, a, yeah. which is unusual for this program. The rest of it's great. And the upcoming fight is really incredible. Um, yeah. Maybe that's why maybe all the budget went to the fucking ape fight. I don't know. I, I, I do think that there's a possibility of when you're dealing with, I mean, there's not a lot of effects in the, in this place, but there are enough effects that you want to keep a more basic lighting. If you're going to move quick and, and you're budget conscious. It could be, right. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what do I? What the fuck do I know? What do we know? We just host a podcast about this stuff. Yeah, but uh, you know, we're not filmmakers. We're film watchers. Uh, Good anyway, distinction, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so Harker and Vigilante get caught by the aliens. I did not like the alien scream. I'm not a fan of that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just like a really hackney old thing, right? I mean, it just yeah. feels like a very standardized thing. Yeah. Um, I do wish it was a little bit more interesting or a little bit more imaginative. Yeah. But maybe yeah. that's going to be the thing. I mean, maybe that's like. Maybe the fact that it's hackney is going to be part of the deal. Maybe, maybe. Uh, at the same time, so they run and they get they lock themselves into a room. Uh, at the same time, Peacemaker and uh, Leota are going through and just mowing people down. He kills them and then she shoots them afterwards. There's a really good bit where he shoots the guy through a door. I like that a lot. He shoots the guy through X-ray vision. Yeah, yeah but every time he shoots somebody, she comes up and she comes right through him and shoots him right in the head. Yeah. And uh, it's very, very. And he finally is like, "You don't have to keep shooting them after after I've killed them." It's yeah. very adorable. She's like trying to like work her way up to her first kill. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, well, it's like that mafia thing too, where it's like, oh, my, my bullet's in there too. So we both <laughs> did this, right? It's like that kind of deal. But uh, they shoot one guy and this guy does not die right away. And he tells them that uh, their friends are in trouble. They're with Charlie, their guardian angel. And Peacemaker says, your guardian angel is doing a shit job. And <laughs> shoots that guy in the face. It's really which good. Which I greatly liked. Uh, at that point, we see that the Charlie the Guardian Angel is a gorilla. Big, giant fucking gorilla. And gorilla. Economos is trapped outside in the van, and he hears them yelling about a gorilla and does not know what to do. And uh, the gorilla looks And really he good can't get in contact with Peacemaker and, and Leota for their – I guess they're too deep in, so they, it's not connecting. I don't know. Right. Uh, I thought that the gorilla looked really good. Yeah, it looked great. It looked great. Uh, uh, Peacemaker and Leota get to where – uh, Harcourt and Vigilante are, but there's all the the aliens outside the door blocking the so way. So it's really interesting, right? So like the um, the butterflies seem to be just regular, and then they get activated, they turn into zombies. Yeah, they turn into like 28 days later. Yeah, like they're like yeah. leaping and flying through the air. I mean, like I, I don't think it's a mistake that when Harcourt and Vigilante get caught, 
the the shot and the way that the alien that catches them, the butterfly catches them, does the end of uh, in body snatchers stance with like the yeah. wide mouth and like Rah! like I mean, that, you're right, definitely that calling means, towards that. That's what it is. It's it's it's, yeah. it's it's a it's one part body snatchers. It is one part twenty eight days later a zombie scream. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Um, but it's interesting though that they there's like a switch that goes off that they're just like being regular people, and then yeah. all of a sudden they're like flying through the air and they're like slamming their heads into metal doors. Um, I don't think we've seen them behave this way, right? No, we have not. We seem to get weird. Like we've seen them like when they're in private, sort of like they're turn weird. off the human. Yeah. yeah, but this is like a whole different layer. This is very different. This is a very different layer. Um, do you think they're the- like? Do you think they're like connected, like hive connected? I hope not. I really, I'm so tired of hive mind stuff. I find that you know, there's a lot of them, and if they need to end the butterfly threat at the end of the season, a hive mind connection would be the solution, right? Yes, it would be. Yeah. Instead of unless the show's going to be nine seasons of them traveling around killing, which might be killing butterflies. Yeah. Um, it feels like the solution might be to find the big head butterfly, kill that, and then all the other butterflies. Fall or you just do a montage showing Peacemaker going around and murdering people across the planet. <laughs> yeah, one or the other. That'd be a good whole final hour, just a montage. Just a mon- yeah, there you go. And it's all shot on a green screen. He's just like walking and the background changes behind him with yeah, the Eiffel yeah. Tower. Here's the Colosseum in Rome. You, you and he's just like shooting in, people uh, off screen. You do like in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back when they get the list of all the people from like any cool <laughs> news to go beat up and they go from house to house beating up all the people that said they suck. That's all. You do it like that. Uh, they all these all these all these butterflies are like ganging up on this door to bust in, and uh, Peacemaker uh, takes them out with a homemade Russian well, well, rocket with a with a, this with is, a grenade tied to it. This is the second time this has happened on the show, and I love it. Is that Peacemaker has a cartoon uh, book bag? It's always big enough for whatever he needs, right? And I love it. He pulls out a Russian tank shell with a grenade attached to it from this little book bag. There's no way they fit in that book bag. And I love it. I love that he just pulls it out. He's like, I got this. And it's wonderful. And, uh, but Leota's like, like, like how big of an explosion does it make? He's like, I don't know. I just made it this morning. And then he throws it at the door and blows up all the aliens. And it uh, makes a very big explosion. makes a very big explosion. And it in fact blows up the, uh, the roof. And that's when, uh, Economos gets very, very scared now. Like before he was nervous. Now he's like, oh shit, things are really bad. And this is a good follow up callback to him outside with Judo Master. Like yes. him once again as the guy in the chair finding himself in a position that he's not prepared for. He's the guy yeah. in the chair is not ready to get into action. Not prepared and, for, but willing to get into action. Yeah. This is, is the second time he's going to have to go into action. And yeah. it's not his strong suit, but. Clearly, it's also, as we see the second time, he saves everybody. So, right. so he's pretty good at what he does. Uh, yeah, they go in and they everyone gets beat up by the gorilla. It uh, is such a good fight. The gorilla is throwing everybody fucking around. It, 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 it talks. The gorilla talks. But it starts to talk just as it gets a chainsaw through its chest. I was like, oh. Yeah, it is a bummer, right? Um, yeah. But the gorilla really is beating the shit out of everybody. Peacemaker gets on his back and does – Give some good blows. They are really and, also and, like uh, stabbing it and like yeah, shooting like vigilante it. stabs it in the side, like with a sword. Like they hurt the gorilla, but Charlie's going to win this fight. Well, yeah. all of a sudden, though, there's a fucking chainsaw sticking out of his chest, and then he yep. gets ripped open, <laughs> and uh, it is a bloody fucking mess. Beautiful, and that is and when it's Economos. Economos the stud. He's a fucking covered stud. in blood. He's covered in blood. It, it's it's it's. Uh, Nick Cage and, and Mandy 
blood, well, I like, blood on him. He takes off his glasses and only his eyes are clean because he was yeah. wearing glasses. So like the yeah. Which again, eyes is very clean. cartoonish. I love it. It's yeah. a very cartoony thing. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really good. Uh, yeah. It's very, very funny. And he is like psyched. He is like psyched to be the fucking guy that killed the gorilla. Well, what, course, what's great is he's shaking. Right. He's definitely like terrified by what just happened to a certain extent. And he puts out his hand for to for Peacemaker. And Peacemaker goes, Economos, you fucking stud. <laughs> it's great. Really, and that's when really all of a sudden he's like, Economos is like, I am I'm a stud. And he feels great now. Yeah, he has, then, a, he has a he has he has that adrenaline thing, like where it's like this like moment of like intense terror and like fight response, yeah. and then he uh, it's all rushed down until he gets excited because everybody's cheering for him, except for Vigilante. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even at this moment, Vigilante is very excited for him. Vigilante is actually a little very, later. He's very good humored in general. He's very good humored here. Yeah, but like they get into the truck and they're all going home. And they're partying. They're having a great time. And now Economos and Peacemaker are best friends because Economos is ripping up gorillas with a chainsaw. And he listens to Hanoi Rock. So Economos has good taste in music and he's a a gorilla killer. Yeah. And Harcourt takes a picture of everyone, which seems like a bad idea to do during a secret mission. Seems like a thing that would upset Vigilante. He's covered in blood. Yeah, he doesn't have his mask on, does he? Yeah, he doesn't seem upset about it. No, he does not. But uh, this is the 11th Street kids are born in this moment in the truck right there. That's that's it. They're they're. Creative. She has this really sweet look on her face. There's like uh, Jennifer Holland's doing a lot of silent acting with this, yeah. where she's like watching them all, and she realizes this team has finally come together and that they are all vibing finally. And there's like a yeah. thing here, and she I think has this. Um, response in her that I think that she was not expecting, which is that she likes them. Yes. She likes them. Like in this moment, she likes them. And I think that Holland really gets that across really nicely without saying anything. She's not like involved in the partying. She's kind of sitting off to the side. It's an interesting thing about her character as well. I think it's like she's continuously off to the side. She's never centered to the things. Yeah. And that's also later on when she sends everybody the text, she's sitting alone at the bar again. Um, Yeah. So it's got this very fascinating element to it of like what we're learning about this character that she's the kind of person who's always off to the side but loves being part of this thing in its in 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 her own weird quiet way. I agree. I agree. Uh meanwhile we cut to uh the police station and Augie is in fact not getting out of prison and he's pissed because he knows that they they're lying about his fingerprints and Detective Song is very confused too because she knows they're lying about the fingerprints. So she goes to see the captain only to see that. Well, it's I a like new this captain. bit, by the way, is that she's like, What happened? And he's like, Well, you know, we sent the prints up and to the cops, we sent the prints up and, you know, they matched. And she's like, But they don't. And he goes, What? He's a fucking Nazi. Who cares? And yeah. I thought it's a very interesting bit because it does speak to the. This is Gunn tackling some really interesting things that we don't talk about a lot these days. And this, this but, is very comic book, too. Well, it's very comic book, but it's also big moral questions, which is like well, is that's it okay? what I mean, though. By like, like these are the more like, like there's a whole story where the Joker is on death row, and Batman knows he didn't commit the crime that he's being executed for, and so he has to prove that the Joker should not be executed. And it's like, well, you know, these the Joker's are, killed hundreds of people. <laughs> like, 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 these are these are questions that are uh, were addressed in other literature before comic books. Yes, yes, yeah, but but I'm uh, just saying because this is a comic book story, right? It's uh, a very comic booky thing to be like. No, this this is the one time Lex Luthor's not responsible. We can't let him go to prison for something he didn't do. But this is why I think it's really important that Augie's racist to her because um, she represents somebody who believes in justice. Yes. And doing the right thing. 
And so even though this guy is not only just a fucking nightmare white supremacist supervillain, he's also personally awful to her. That's yes. the key important part. He's not just regular awful like he would be to every, anybody else calling somebody a cocksucker or whatever, but he's racistly awful to her in a yeah. way that she found very disorienting and difficult, and she is still going to try to do the right thing because that's the kind of a character that she is. Yes. And it, I think there's like an undercurrent happening here where there's these different visions of what it means to do the right thing. And obviously Argus has their vision and Peacemaker has his and Vigilante has his, and then she has hers. And yes. I think it's a very interesting set of moral things being laid out here among these different characters. And I think every character is going to have their own definition of what it means to do the right thing by the end of the show, including Leota, who is like in this in this liminal space as somebody who is not a killer, but who is like working her way up to killing because she's getting really caught up in this black ops stuff. Yeah. But meanwhile, she has like a regular wife at home. Yeah, and, and so and she also she's got the whole diary thing that she's dealing with. She got the whole diary thing she's dealing with. So like, there's all these things about like what is the right thing to do, and and yeah. and is it to let the Nazi out because he did not do this thing, or is it to hold the Nazi in anyway because fuck the Nazi, he sucks, right? Yeah. And you know, these days the answer, I can hear people listening, shouting, "Fuck the Nazi, he sucks," and I don't disagree. But at the same time, what does it mean to have a justice system when that's the rule? Is like, well, yeah. you suck anyway, so who cares if he did it or not? Yeah. Uh, it's not a, it's not much of a justice system. No. So it's a very fascinating thing that Gunn is playing with while also doing a super violent, super silly, very funny show. He's also got this really interesting moral thing going on, and he's also got this all this emotional shit going on. Yes, this guy might be a genius. I don't know. He's uh, he's a pretty talented uh, storyteller. I think. It's pretty crazy. The fucking yeah. guy wrote Scooby Doo. Yeah, well, it's a, I personally I think the Scooby Doo movie is good. I think it's a well done movie, a well written movie. And the same with the uh, Dawn of the Dead remake. I think he did a good job on that too. That one's very good. Uh, Scooby Doo, I don't remember at all. I mean, like I have seen it. I saw it when it I came remember, out. Like, there's a long like fart sequence, but beyond that, I remember thinking it was very well done. His Dawn of the Dead is excellent. Yeah. Um, and I say that as somebody who was like, there's no way this, this should not be remade. This is a disaster. These people are monsters for remaking this. And I went to go see it. I was like, oh, this is actually really good. That movie is uh, the first the first scoop I ever got came from that movie. Yeah? Yeah, because it was uh, when you had sent me, you were still working with Chud at the time, and you sent me to go do an interview, interviews for uh, Blades of Glory. Right? Isn't that the movie with the, the ice skating movie? Did and you go to the set? No, no, no. This was like... See the movie and then talk to the pre- talk to the actors like that. Really? Because like, I, yeah. I definitely did the junket for that one too. So we might have both done it. I don't know, but I I, I was talking, doing an interview with Jenna Fisher, and somehow like while we were waiting for things to get set up, we got onto the topic of Dawn of the Dead, and she had told me about how he had written a whole scene when they send out the dog to go to the guy that the gun ammo shop guy and like bring weapons back and forth in the original script. Zombie dogs come out and kill that dog. And they mm-hmm. decided to change it. They're like, no, we can't do that. That's too expensive was the problem. It was just too much money for the budget of the movie. So they had to change it, and the dog just lives. And do you I, think anybody – That we're in that shot. And it was on any- Wikipedia for a while for the movie. Wow, good for you. Yeah. Do you think anybody has watched Blades of Glory in the last five years? I think I watched it three months ago. No shit. Yep. I Why love that movie. I think that movie's hilarious. It's fine. It's, it's, it's like, fun. It, it's a fun it is, movie. It is 100% like a movie that like exists. Yeah. I I quote that movie quite often. Really? Yep. It's mind-bottling. Do I need to revisit it? Maybe. I I think it's a very, very funny movie. I really do. 
I mean, I remember enjoying it. And, yeah. but even at the time when there was a gazillion Will Ferrell and weird sports comedies happening, yes. like super pro, whatever that one was. Yeah. That was semi pro. That one. Semi pro. Like. Um, I was like, even then I was like, oh, this is okay. This is fine. This is too, there's too many of these. Yeah, look, there's too it's much. Not, of this. It's not a, it's not a classic. Like no one's like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's going to be remembered for all time. Like, but I, I enjoy it. I think it's a very fun movie. I think it's got some great little scenes and some funny dialogue. Do you know what I need to go back and revisit? And I keep threatening to do it. What? Land of the Lost. I really want to watch that again too. I remember right. loving that movie. Me too. And like I'm, I went on the set of that movie. It's a pretty incredible set. I'm like a Land of the Lost guy, so I remember really liking that they. Th- they I thought they did like a very respectful comedy Land of the Lost. I thought yeah. like it was very respectful. Um, and I remember really liking it. And I am curious to see how it holds up. Like was it 10, 15 years ago now? It's a long time ago. It's a long time ago, right? Yeah. Uh, but that one is like law. That's like gone. Like nobody talks about Land of the Lost. No, that, that that was that was like Will Ferrell's first bomb. Yeah, like that was the one where everyone's like, "Nope, we're done with Will Ferrell for a little bit." And then yeah, it was like that. It's, and uh, uh, what's it called? Bombed as well, I guess. Um, uh, Stranger than Fiction, which was him trying something. Well, different. that was his serious attempt, right? Yeah. Which I love that movie as well. I think that movie is amazing. That one is not. I love it. Absolutely love that movie. That is definitely not one of the great ones. But um, Yorma Taconi plays Chaka in that. Yes. And Chaka, a creepy little pervert in that movie. <laughs> yes. uh, I really I, – I, I, I need to revisit. I mean the cast on that is is really, really good. Yeah, Danny and McBride. Uh, uh, Danny McBride, Will, Will Ferrell, and, and – and, uh, uh, who was the female lead? Uh, I can't Anna, Anna Friel. Anna yeah, Friel, that's somebody yeah. that – does she work – does she live? I don't know. She maybe she'll be the wasp in Ant Man Four. She's on a TV show. Oh, okay, good for her. There She's on go. a TV show. That's why I have. Is she on like one of those shows that I've never heard of, but it's been on for thirty years? Like uh, Blue Bloods, a show I just heard about the other day. I was like, Blue Bloods, what is this? I looked at it, it's like on season twelve. I'm like, what? You know, I'm really mad about Blue Bloods. Yeah. Um, because uh, I had an idea for a TV show called Blue Bloods. And okay. I, my idea was better than the show that they're, they're doing. Yeah. Do you want to hear my TV show idea for Blue Bloods? Sure, if you're willing to give it out to the masses. What am I going to do with it? I, I, I'm not going to be able to make it. Uh, best case scenario, I can't make it. Uh, uh, Blue Bloods, in my version, would be about a police family. But it would be about three generations of police family. Okay. And the show would be set in three different time periods. And the oh. police family would all be beat cops in the same neighborhood. Okay. So the neighborhood changes over each generation. So but the, the family cops doesn't. Well, the family does or doesn't, right? I mean, like, but that's the thing. So the premise is that each each time period, there's a different demographic living in the neighborhood. Yeah. And then you know what I mean? Like, so it's like this relationship between the cops and the community, and like how it grows or doesn't grow, how it gets worse, how it like the racism and stuff like that. That all you see as the as the neighborhood changes. Yeah. So like the neighborhood begins like as like I mean we begin like as like an a, an immigrant like a white immigrant community in like the fifties. And then like in the seventies, it would be like be a black community. And then the nineties, it would be like gentrifying or something like that or, okay. or we would, you know, whatever decade you want to set it in. Yeah. And that, that would be the premise. And then you would have that family be cops in each of those time periods doing their own things. And then what you would do is you would try to weave some kind of story through it all. Okay. You're not like a time travel story but like echoes of things would keep popping up. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And like, so like from the, from the 50 story, this guy's club that he sets up in the late period, the 
main drug dealer runs that club now, but he's not related yeah. to that guy. But that's just always been the drug dealer club in the neighborhood. Well, you even know like, I mean? like you have like the fifty story, you have the newlywed couple that moves into one of the apartments, and then in the ninety story, it's the widow, and now she's old, right? And like, they're yeah. and they're there, and they're like, um, she's like in rent controlled, and she hates yeah. the neighborhood, and she's afraid, and she has nobody, and she has she had a vibrant community in the first part, and then the later part, she doesn't have any community anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really interesting story to tell because the story is not just like the police and the community; it's the changing nature of the neighborhoods. I think that yeah. becomes interesting. So anyway, yeah. if anybody's listening to this and wants to steal it, I guess go ahead. Uh, don't don't do it. I'm copywriting this uh, <laughs> verbally, but I think that's a pretty good idea for like. I'm not like a cop show guy, but that feels like an interesting cop show. That does. That does. There's a cop show on right now where there's a guy that lives in three different realities. What? Yeah, and one. <laughs> yep, it's true. It's rough, I swear to God. <laughs> and huh? one of the realities is a cop, and like one of the realities he has different he has different jobs in every reality. Okay. I think it's called Regular Joe. I think it's maybe the. Oh, I'm I don't know. I know there was a cop show or some kind of like ordinary light Joe. show. Ordinary Joe. Okay, I know there was one a couple of years ago where it was like the guy would go to sleep and he and he'd wake up and he was a cop and then he'd go to or like his kid was dead and then he'd go to sleep and his wife was dead and it was like which one is the real world and which one is his dream? And is that not the same show? I don't think so. I, maybe it is. I don't know. Ordinary Joe. Uh, oh, it's a new show. Okay, that's um, not the one I know. Life is all about the choices one makes, and sometimes what one does in a single moment can change everything. Joe Kimbrough faces one of these decisions at his college graduation. His name is Joe Fuck You. Leading to, leading to three parallel stories that diverge from that night. Each path finds Joe with a different career, as a nurse, a police officer, or a rock star, along with different friendships, relationships, and family lives, showing the unexpected ways things change and stay the same. But when it comes down to it, there is no right choice no matter what happens. Joe's life is always messy, exciting, tough, unpredictable, and beautiful. There you go. And I mean, I wonder if they're going to have like a crossover. They're going to like do the Joe multiverse. <laughs> yeah. The Joe, the joe Another funny. life is the show I was thinking of. Apparently when we, when we, when it's like the sliding doors thing, right? I mean like, like when we talk oh, about like not. the multiverse, um, these multiverse movies and we're like, boy, the audience, but like there's fucking, uh, there's a cop show that's set in a multiverse, like yeah. on NBC. It's an NBC cop show set in the multiverse. Yeah. So, like, the audience is well beyond primed for yeah. this stuff. I think Sliding so, Doors is actually the the touchstone for the regular audience. For they multiverse stuff? Yeah. Yeah, for multiverse stuff. Yeah, I think they get Sliding Doors. Yeah. Because yeah. Ordinary Joe, I guarantee, was was pitched as Sliding Doors meets ER meets, yeah. Yeah. meets NYPD Blue meets whatever. Yeah. And the show I was thinking of apparently was Awake, not whatever the one I just said was. Terrible title for a program. Yeah. Ordinary Joe, not much better, frankly. The show it starred Jason Isaacs, by the way. Awake. Yeah, I know. I remember that one now. I remember yeah. that one. And the people were really into it, and there was like a mystery going through it. There was like a whole there was like a whole mystery. It was like a whole post JJ Abrams. Yep. So there you go. Okay, where were we on this show? All right. Anyway, uh Augie is still going to prison. Uh Song goes to talk to the captain to see that the captain has been replaced by Captain Locke, who tells her, Don't worry about it, everything's fine. Take the night off. I like this bit because he has like low he's like Gunn wrote him with like legitimately low key misogyny. You think low key? I think for for this kind of program, yeah. I think that normally you would have like a much more high key misogyny. You don't think I it'd think, be like, oh, you're one of those women? Yeah, but I think <laughs> that's I think that's I think, I think that's low key for one of these shows. Okay. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just felt like it wasn't like as I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe it is high key. It 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 felt it felt it felt less. Uh, 
I think Loki would have been if he had just been like, we get it. You're good at your job. Like would have been Loki, but him being like, you're one of those kinds of women. Yeah, I mean, he has to be, he has to be obviously misogynistic. That needs to be there. So the audience gets it. But I just feel like there was like a, I don't know. There's like a way that you could have gone like way harder on it. I think he didn't do it. So I just feel like he did a good job. Yeah. I mean, I like the scene. That was a good scene, but, uh, Either way, uh, from that, uh, she walks out of the office, Locke calls Mern and tells him it's done. And as Mern is hanging up the phone, we see the 11 Street kids coming back. And uh, they're very excited because they killed a gorilla. They're still on that high. At which point, Peacemaker reveals that he fought a gorilla at Burning Man. <laughs> so, so good. I'm dying to know who that gorilla was. So good. I think yeah. Peacemaker was just high and he fought a guy. <laughs> maybe, maybe. He says it was weaker than the one they just fought because Economo says it was they just killed a super gorilla because it had a, a butterfly in its head. And, and Peacemaker's like, yeah, you're right. I fought a gorilla at Burning uh, <laughs> Man and it, it was way weaker. So there you go. So maybe it was he was just high and he was on shrooms or something and beat up some dude. Just he beat up a hairy I think guy. that's I think that's the joke. I think that he just beat up like a dude. But it's hard to say with these universes. There's so many gorillas and stuff. Right well, that's what I think was funny about it. That's like yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah. He could have fought Detective Chimp for all we know. Who knows? Um, Mern gives the team a night off for doing a good job. They all, and this is where Vigilante reveals that he believes that Economos did that on purpose. Purposely chose the chainsaw to, to right. show him up. And uh, he's a little upset by it. And uh, and Peacemaker thinks he's making too much of a big deal out of it. I feel like Vigilante is going to end up like killing most of the team. That's my theory at this point. Uh, that would not be crazy, but I don't know that Gun's going to go there. I don't know, especially if he wants to do a second season. I don't know how many characters he's going to want to kill off. Also, Freddie Strom is just so great. I mean, like, I know that Gunn is probably willing to really go hard on some of this stuff. Yeah. And there is an episode that he's called the crying episode. Um, But I just don't, I feel like the crying episode in a gun thing is a character sacrificing themselves for someone else. That's a gun crying thing. That's the, the Yondu thing. That's the Mary Poppins, right? Like that's the deal. Um, I have a feeling the crying thing is going to be that Peacemaker has to kill his own dad. I can't imagine that he expects the audience to cry over that. So that can't I, be. I, I think, I think you'll, the idea in my head is you cry because you know that like Peacemaker says, like, yes, my dad's a horrible person, but I love him. And the idea that Peacemaker has to kill someone he loves is very hard for him. That's my guess. And that's, I at least that's going to be part of it. Like I don't think that the diary and peacemakers, you know, their relationship's going to be torn apart and all that kind of stuff. No, I think that probably his dad's going to kill Economos. Oh, you think so? Yeah. And I think that that's why we're building the Economos relationship. His mm. dad kills Economos and then Economos like now Economos having now saved the day twice is going to kind of try to come in to save the day a third time. Yeah. 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 And get that's his ass right. killed. It's the yeah. rule of threes. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And then they get to have like a moment. Yeah, and then this sort of like feeds Peacemaker to take out his dad finally. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, meanwhile, Song and Fitzgibbons go to a judge's house to get a warrant. The judge is Judge Judy. Yes, this is uh, a joke I did not like. It's just kind of on the nose. It's. Yes. I also feel that way. The the Judge Judy joke in Hot Fuzz. I'm like, nah. But that's not even the joke in Hot Fuzz. It's just him no. misunderstanding in Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't understand what judge, jury, and executioner means. So. Yes. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not that great a joke. Whatever. It's not great. But they move past it quickly. And then uh, we also find out that the judge is uh, Detective Song's uncle. Yes. So after she says everything's on the up and up, don't worry. This is a fair judge. He's also my uncle. 
which clearly that's going to make that warrant not very permissible. Hmm. We'll um, see. That's eh, questionable. Uh, and then we get a little music montage and we see everybody leading their sad, solitary lives, but connected through the text chain. Yeah, it's a good James Gunn bit, right? This is like yeah. a really classic. Uh, this is a very classic James Gunn bit. And it's interesting that they're all they're all alone together. Yes, that's the thing. They're all alone yeah. together. And this is he, you know, he did this show. He has talked about the idea that when they were finishing up Suicide Squad, the lockdown had begun and he wanted something to do. And this is a show that he did. He wrote during the early days of lockdown. Yeah. And um, that's a lockdown scene. Yes. Everybody yeah. alone, but connected via the internet. That's definitely um, an experience that he is relating from his exp- own experience in lockdown. I agree. I agree. Now, I did not have that experience. No? No, I did not have that experience. All of my friends, a lot of my friends, um, all of my friends, really. Ignored um, the lockdown? No, they oh. um, did like Zoom stuff. Okay, yeah. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get yeah. on and do a Zoom while watching a movie. I couldn't do Zoom karaoke. I couldn't do um, Zoom board games. I couldn't do any of it. It's just yeah. I can't do I can't sit in front of the Zoom. I don't want to sit. We tried to – I'm in a book club, and we did a Zoom book club, and then yeah. I that I could barely handle. Okay. And that was like it. I, I couldn't do it. I could not do all the Zoom stuff. All my friends do a ton of Zoom stuff. And it's essentially how we talk now all the time. We talk on the phone. I, but, I mean, that's what this is basically. No, it's just the phone. This is the phone. We're on the I phone guess, right yeah. now. Because yeah. we're not, we're not, we're not we're, we don't have, uh, we have, we tried to do it with video one time and we didn't like it. It was so uncomfortable. And so <laughs> that's the thing, right? So that's how the Zoom thing works. It's a video the whole time. So it just yeah. does, I don't like it at all. Yeah, that's yeah, true. So, uh, but anyway, they're, they're sending, uh, Harcourt sends the photo to everybody and they're all very happy to see it, including Vigilante who responds with a mermaid emoji. It's which, incredible. Which Peacemaker then explains to Leota that the the mermaid emoji means happy, sad, and everything in between. It's the, and it's it's Vigilante's go to emoji. That's it's like his, his emoji. emoji. <laughs> yep, yep. And as as Leota points out, doesn't that ruin the point of an emoji if it just means everything? He's like, yes, but uh, he says it's holistic. So there you go. <laughs> so good, so yeah. good. Uh, Leota comes inside the Peacemaker's house to have a drink called a Peace Train, which you can watch a video of a guy actually make the Peace Train and try it. Uh, Unbelievable. I am, I've, I've never been more happy to be sober than I am right now. It sounds disgusting. but uh, It's fucking vinegar in it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds really gross. James Gunn said that he imagined that this was a drink that Peacemaker and Vigilante like got wasted and invented at four in the morning and yes. convinced themselves they were so wasted they convinced themselves it was a classic drink. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of love that backstory. I mean, you see when, when Peacemaker drinks it and he's like, oh, this is really bad. I, this is it's really good. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really amazing. Yeah. Sana's uh, acting in that is amazing. Yes. Uh, he's great. He's really well, I know he's great, great but he's really, really good in that bit when he's doing that physical comedy of taking the drink. It's really, yeah. really well done. It's because he, he's not doing like a big crazy spit take or whatever. No, no. I wonder what he drank if they gave him something that tasted like sour to help him out. I would think so, but who knows? They pissed in a cup. They pissed in a cup. It's actual eagle shit. But uh, they sit down, they start talking, and Peacemaker comes to realize that for the first time in his life, he has friends, and he starts to cry. And you feel kind of bad for him in that moment, you know. And then uh, he gets up to pee, and Leota hides the diary. Yeah, hot on the heels of him realizing he has friends and never having this experience in his whole life, never having somebody have his back like this before. Yeah. she has to go hide this fake diary that's going to go pin all this shit on him. Yeah. 
Yeah. And she like yeah. has like a moment where she's like, should I do this? And then and she does it. She does it. And then uh, she leaves. She gets in her car. She calls her wife and she breaks down because the job is clearly getting to her and she's, she's losing herself in the job. And uh, unable to sleep, she goes to the, to the base where Myrn is still hanging out. She puts on, uh, Leota puts on Peacemaker's X-ray vision helmet, sees that Myrn has a butterfly in his head, at which point Myrn chases her into the streets. and Directly into the closing credits. He chases her directly into the closing credits. Yep. And we don't know what's going to happen. She's on the ground. He's knocked her gun out of her hand. We don't know what's going to happen next. Cut to they black. do the they do the next time on Peacemaker, and they open with that, and they don't show us anything else that makes any sense, and you can't figure out if she's dead or alive or yeah, what. Yeah, like, but the, no the, the next time on Peacemaker is just that the cops are coming to Peacemaker's house. Yeah, and that's, that's it. That's like the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's like hard. It's hard to know. Yeah. Uh, and then in the mid credits cutscene, we get to see more of the names that Peacemaker gave out for possibilities instead of his father to be arrested. And they are Mariska Hargitay, Mario, Super Mario, Luigi, Yoshi, The Princess, Bert, Ernie, Grover, Snuffleupagus, Burger King, Grimace, Ronald McDonald, the two old guys from the balcony and the Muppets, George Moore or Jim Morrison, any of the fucking Beatles, Pete Best, George Carlin, Danny Glover, Mel Gibson, Ice T, Ice Cube, Vanilla Ice, Elvis Presley, Priscilla Presley, Seth Meyers, Jay Leno, Conan O'Brien. And here you go. Um. I like that it's Mario and Super Mario. Did, well, didn't he say Bill Cosby in one of these? I just said that, Bill Cosby. He said Bill Cosby. He says Bill Cosby. He just got out of jail. He's got nothing yeah. going on. Yeah. Or in the first one, he said, he said, yes, Bill, Bill Cosby. One, I think, yeah. Well, well, well no, it's uh, Bill Cosby. Uh, yeah, he just got out. We can put him back. And then with Conan O'Brien, he, he's, he, he just says Conan. He's like, Conan, he's been doing nothing lately. And so, there you go. Right. so I'm exactly. guessing it's Conan O'Brien and not Conan the Barbarian. Yes, I believe he means Conan yeah. O'Brien. Coming off of Seth Meyers and Jay Leno. Uh, what'd you think of this one? Uh, I also, uh, I liked it. I thought it was a really good episode. I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't have the lighting issue that you had. I didn't really notice it. I, I noticed it was darker. Oh, it seemed like a darker episode, but. Well, I, I thought the rest of it looked great. It was just that once when they're in the, there's like, maybe they're lighting it with fluorescence to give it that factory look. I just didn't like yeah. the way that it looked. It really bugged me. It really, really bugged yeah. me. And it just made it look like digital video to me. I'm like, I have a high sensitivity to digital video. Yeah. Um, like sometimes when everything's shot on digital, right. But like sometimes there's like certain lighting conditions that would never look like that on film. And when they look like that, I get dragged out of the presentation and I am okay. trapped in realizing I'm looking at digital and it feels weird to me. It's like, I don't know. It's some kind of weird neuro atypical bullshit going on in my brain. Yeah. And this is uh the second episode, not directed by James Gunn. This was directed by Rosemary Rodriguez. Yes. Who I thought, she did a very good job. I've never she did a very I, good job. I didn't recognize. I looked at her IMDb and I don't think I'd seen anything else she'd done. Like I know she's done a couple episodes of Walking Dead and like mostly TV from the looks of it. But right. uh, I thought it, you know the action was really well done. I, it didn't feel like a different director, which can sometimes happen. You know, and uh, it, it flows in with everything that with, with the show itself with the previous four episodes. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it I was terrific. It I'm kind of sad that Charlie was killed off that quickly. Was hoping to see some more. Yeah, it is like a bummer that he's like gone so quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's too bad. And he just just about start talking to him, and then uh, yeah. he gets killed. <laughs> yes, which I mean that is a very James Gunn moment. Like this girl is going to talk. No, it's dead. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty fun. There's a funness to that, but. 
It's also sadness because I would like to know more about Charlie. Yeah, always more super apes. Generally, that's yes. my general rule: is more super yes. apes. That was the uh, many consider that to be the turning point for Legends of Tomorrow when they did more super apes. Well, they, they uh, Gorilla Grodd got sent back in time to kill a college age Barack Obama, and the scene that became very popular spread throughout the internet was teenager Barack Obama, college-age Barack Obama sitting at his desk working, and then the door kicks out and, and Gorilla Grodd walks in and goes, Barack Obama, I'm here to kill you. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like a great little moment. It's a great weird moment that you can only get from DC Comics stories. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good episode. Um, like, like I said at the beginning, I like that it turns into that team bonding story, that this yes. brings the team together just in time for him to clearly break the team up. Yeah. Um, we're not going to get much time with this team as a as an entity. We're gonna we're gonna get right out of it. But he really pulls them together perfectly, and um, it's just like a delightful episode. It's just a delightful, well made episode. Yeah, um, I am a little bit ready for some of the storylines to move forward. I f- this is interesting because I feel like they have moved them relatively forward, like because this is something I don't know. It, it's a very James Gunn thing maybe, but it, it feels like the story of the characters is more important than the story of the aliens. Oh, a hundred percent. The story that I'm really ready to move forward is the Augie story. Yes. Yeah. It's been like three episodes of him being in prison and he didn't do it. Like, it's like, so like, I, I, it's not, it's not bad. This is not like, I'm not like watching and going, Oh Christ, this again. But yeah. like, I am ready now. I'm ready to get him out of prison or to move to the next stage of that, which seems to be happening next episode. Yeah. We so want to see him in his armor. Time. Yeah, once they introduce the suit, I really just want to see him in the fucking suit. Like, I'm yeah. I'm a child, man. I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. You want to see Peacemaker fight uh, the, the white supremacist in, in his armor. Yeah, you really do. I mean, that, uh, yeah. that honestly. We, and you don't introduce that armor and not use it. I refuse to accept. I hope so, because unless it's, like, set up for season two or something like that. But well, that I am I am concerned of that of, like, oh, I hope I hope whatever this is, it, it has an ending to it. Like, I know he wants to do another season, and I'm sure they're more than happy to do another season since it's apparently a huge success. But I I, I, I like when a show ends. You know? Well, yeah, like, but like, do you – Something like this because you don't know how, like – we don't How long are they going to do this show? How many seasons? So don't try and go too – like, if each season is just its own story, that's fine. I got no problem with that. Well, I guess unless he talks to HBO and, like, we can definitely guarantee you three seasons to tell – Tell a three season story. But, but when, when they filmed this, they didn't guarantee that. Well, we don't know what they did or didn't talk about, though. Yes, that's true. Do you know what I that's mean? True. Like, um, so it's really hard to know what the discussions were, and I don't know. But, yeah. Oh. oh, but I like it. Me too. This is a good episode. Very good episode. Interesting. I thought about this watching the episode. Uh, his brother has not shown up. James Gunn's brother. No. Peacemaker's brother. And usually he shows up and stuff. Unless maybe he played Charlie. I don't know. He did. Oh, he might have. He didn't play Eagly. He did. James Gunn said on Twitter that Sean did not play Eagly. <laughs> but he was not the onset Eagly. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Sean just didn't want to fucking come up to Vancouver. I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Maybe. I mean, like, you know, maybe. I don't know. I mean, who knows? So. Uh, it's just usually he pops up. And he usually does. He might. Stuff. He might. He may yet, or he might have been busy. He may not want to take the travel because it was COVID, and he didn't want to yeah. fucking fly on a plane to just do a cameo in the TV show. Yeah, because we're, we're just we're not seeing the James Gunn group. You know, which I, is I'm not honestly. I'm very glad about that. No, I, like I am to see too. James I am Gunn too. Do a new group. Um, yeah, I'm happy to see much, him stretch out and do other people. 
Because there's a thing when Rooker shows up in a gun movie, like I know what's going to happen. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm yeah. not against it, but also like it's nice to have Robert Patrick filling that role because yeah. you don't know how what's going to happen. Yeah. It's the same premise of the crusty, mean old guy. But it's but played very seen, differently. And but also we've seen how the, where the Rooker thing always goes every time. Yeah. So like, is it going to this might go in a really different place in a really enjoyable yeah. way? Yeah. So. And then also no Nathan Fillion. Yeah, I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. No, I just I I find it interesting. Like I'm. Again, I, a lot of this might be COVID. Like, these people yeah. were not going to get on a plane to Vancouver just to do a cameo, which yeah. they might have done other times. Like, if there wasn't a worldwide sure. pandemic. But sure. Basically, they but shot you got to go during, you sit, sit in your hotel in Vancouver for two weeks. Yeah, they shot this, like, yeah. in a pretty heavy part of the pandemic, too, I think. Yeah, which is interesting. You don't get that feeling from it too much. Like, other shows I'm watching where it's like, oh, you can feel the pandemic. You know, everyone, well, for some reason, is standing four feet apart at all times, you know. No one's in a shot with anyone else and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of that was because they started this. They wrote the show and, and produced the show in pandemic. It wasn't like the pandemic happened and they had to figure it out. Like I think yeah. they they structured it, I think. They probably all lived in a bubble. They probably all just lived in a fucking hotel together. Yeah, yeah. Is my guess. But. I mean, you don't see too many. There's not much. I mean, I don't. I mean, there's the, all the aliens in this one, the, the factory workers. That's a lot of people. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. Interesting. We watched um, this old movie, The Agony in the, the Agony in the Ecstasy, last night, and it's about um, the Pope forcing Michelangelo to do the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. Um, and in the brilliance of the 1950s, they cast Charlton Heston as Michelangelo. It's totally sure. crazy. <laughs> it's truly nuts. It's like great. It's like a, it's, I love it. I've seen it before. I watched it last night because I love it very much. It's a, it's like very campy, but like not quite campy. It's like a very fascinating movie. Um, but there's a lot of scenes in that movie where there's just like 600 people walking around and you're like, you never see this anymore. Not even COVID, no, but like, no, you don't see yeah. this like in a big movie. Yeah. They're just never going to have 600 people walking around. They're just no, never going to have it. It just does not happen anymore. It does not You're going to see 12 people in a fucking room. Tops. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you, you think about the, the end of Ghostbusters when the street is just filled with people. It's like that just does not happen. <laughs> never happen. Never they just happen. don't get that many extras anymore. They just don't. They do don't it. do it. Yeah, and it's like you it know. really it makes such a big difference to yeah. just see three hundred people walking around. Like it just it feels so different than it does yeah. when you watch a movie and there's like six people and then a bunch of CGI people in the background. Yeah. Like it's just it does it doesn't it feels really really different. Hell, um, I'm in a fucking I'm an extra in American Pie two for like one shot, and it was for what's her name when she's supposed to be in like Barcelona or wherever. And they had like 200 extras that day just walking around in the background for American Pie 2. Yeah. And you just don't see that anymore. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's wild. Weird, wild stuff. It's a shame. It's a real shame. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing feels cool anymore. But so this show doesn't quite have the crowds. No, no show has the crowd scenes. Nobody has big crowd scenes. No. I'm trying to think what the last movie with a big crowd scene where it wasn't. Obviously, it's in a CGI army. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's weird when you think about like the Marvel movies, and there's like at most like four people in a scene, like yeah. half the time. Like, it's crazy, and they're always on yeah. empty streets, more or less. Yeah. Is it that scene in Guardians of the Galaxy when they all first meet up in the? They're on Xandar. They're on Xandar. There's tons of people walking around there, right? I don't know. I mean, there's like a whole bunch. There's, there's, I'm sure there's going to be scenes. Scenes people say oh, there's like there's 200 extras here or whatever. They probably yeah. do exist. There's like some nice scenes in Hawkeye where they're on the streets and there's like people in the background. I don't know yeah. if those are extras yeah. or they're just shooting on the streets and they're just taking ambiance. I don't. I don't know. But cool. that that was a show that felt like there was actually a city in that show. Yeah. There's something I can't remember who sent it to me. Somebody sent me on Twitter 
an interview with uh, uh, what's her name from Hawkeye, uh, uh, Kate Bishop, whatever mm-hmm. her name is, and, and uh, Hallie Stanfield. Hallie Stanfield, where she it was an interview. It was her talking to like a different actor, like one of those interviews where they just talk to each other, and that's the interview. And the other actor was like, "Yeah, you know, I was just in New York. I was at the Rockefeller Center." And and she said, oh, I was there too, except it was in Atlanta, which strongly suggests that all of that Rockefeller Center stuff was filmed in Atlanta. It, they did a really good set. Yeah, they did they a really, did really good set. set. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, amazing. in this movie, The Agony and the Ecstasy, they have to make the fucking Sistine Chapel. That's pretty crazy. And they do a really good job. That's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. So they built, they had to build the fucking Sistine Chapel on a set because this is back in 1955 or something like that. There's no CGI to build it out. So they're just standing in a fucking set. That's the Sistine Chapel. The camera pans up to the ceiling. That's funny. That's amazing. At the end of the movie, they're in the real Sistine Chapel. Like they shoot in the real Sistine Chapel, but early yeah. in the movie, before the, the ceiling is painted, they're looking at the ceiling and the camera pans up. So I'm, I'm assuming it's a fucking set because I don't know how else. They're not going to paint over the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican. No. No. So. <laughs> it would be pretty nuts. Even for a Charlton Heston picture. Yeah. He, he, even he didn't have that kind of pull. All right. That's the end of this episode, right? I think so. We're done here? Okay. Where can they yeah. find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhat. You can find me on Twitter at Devin CF. And uh, we're going to be doing an episode of Book of Boba Fett in the coming days. We're both very nervous mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. And then we're going to have a new Peacemaker. And right now there is a Watchmen of Dick Tracy, the 1991 Beatty movie that's available for $5 off subscribers. So go listen to that at www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga. Um, if we do go off of Spotify, let us know what, what you think. There is a feed through the Patreon uh, that you can get. So you can still, the show's still available. It's available on all the other podcasts. It will be available on every other podcasting service. So, yes. Let us know if it's to be a huge burden on you. Because, you know, when the last podcast went to Spotify, I stopped listening to them. Not because out of some. Did you? Not like, I don't, not like purposefully, not like on purpose, yeah. but because that's not my podcasting app. Yeah. So when I, when I go to listen to a podcast, I just don't even think about that because it's never in my podcasting app. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Like I don't think that there's a new episode, so I don't, I don't, you know, I, I rely on opening my podcasting app and going, I'm taking a walk. What am I going to listen to? And then seeing podcasts there, and then yes. picking one of the ones that's there, and that's never there because it's only on Spotify. I uh, just deleted my Spotify app today because the last podcast episode for Spotify, Spotify exclusive, I finished listening to today. And I don't like Spotify personally. I'm not. A, Are they even gonna, before all this? I was not a fan of their. I just don't like their their layout and. At least on my phone, it's extremely buggy all the time. So that's very I don't funny. like it either, but I get it for free through work, so I'm not even paying for it. So yeah, uh, I, I wasn't using the premium; I was just using regular Spotify. Oh, I got premium through work. Okay. Um, but uh, are all those episodes going to become available? Are they going to stay living exclusively on Spotify? Uh, they, I believe, they're all going to be available. So all the ones that they were behind the paywall for two years will be yeah. out of the paywall. Yeah. Interesting. And they, they ended by talking about how they're getting out just in time, apparently. <laughs> Which Very is really good. funny. They, they make the same joke I made uh, yesterday on Twitter. Very good. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we'll t- see you guys again here next week on Marvel Vision. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up uh, Peacemaker, two more episodes, and then we're going to move into Moon Knight. No, not two more, is it? Yeah, it's like seven episodes, right? Or was it eight? I it was eight. Was it eight? I don't want it to end. It might be eight. No, we'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, we'll see you then. Uh, in the meantime, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be well. But most of all, may you remain a true believer.